Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back live with more Rami McLaugh on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. I mean, it certainly helps when you add a dynamic rusher like that. And then, you know, they've also gotten in the season. They got a little bit healthier and they found a rhythm on offense as well. So it's a couple things and he certainly impacts the game we've seen him talk about a player we've seen a lot recently uh, from Washington we've had those matchups and here we go again and uh, he's a dynamic pass rusher and he's got a unique way to do it he's got rare length does a good job getting off blocks and setting things up Um, there's a reason he's got you know double digit sacks there's Falcons head coach Arthur Smith talking about Montez Sweat and this Bears defense that has turned things around in the last six, seven weeks. Rami Makhlouf with you till 9 o'clock here on 670 The Score. And uh, a couple people, as they will, and I don't, I don't mind it, corrected me in the text line, 312-644-6767, when I was saying Ryan Poles has cleaned out everybody because he wants just his guys on this, on this roster. He did keep Cole Komet and extended him. And I, you got, I give him credit for that. I'm not – look, I – in this game, the sports talk game, that is, it feels like you either have to heap praise on people or absolutely hate them. And I'm I'm really right in between when it comes to Ryan Poles. He's done a lot of good things. There's no denying he's done a lot of good things. There's just some moves that I disagree with. And the, and the overall approach of wasting these two years of Justin Fields' rookie contract is what I most disagree with but I digress and go to our guest now you can catch him as the host of the morning extra on 106.3 FM as well as the fan 680 and 96.3 from Atlanta Carlos Medina joins me now Carlos how are you this evening my man Rami I can think of nothing better after a very nice Christmas and speeding towards a very fun New Year's than talking about quarterback purgatory with you. Because that's where <laughs> I'm living for the last few years. And you guys are speeding towards that as well. Well, let me, okay, let's, let's start there. Uh, because obviously the Bears have questions about their quarterback and the Falcons have had questions about their quarterback for, well, since Matt Ryan left. The, the buzz is that Georgia native Justin Fields might be just the guy that Arthur Smith and the Falcons are looking for should the Bears move on from him. Do you think there's any fire to that smoke? I think because of the level of desperation, remember the Falcons are a team that basically two years ago planned on extending Matt Ryan's contract. It wasn't until Deshaun Watson showed interest in coming to the Falcons that they suddenly said, hold on a second. We're not doing that. In fact, we're going to chase Deshaun when that didn't work out. And Matt Ryan said, move me at that point. You now are talking about a team that's just been searching. They're in the quarterback desert. And so right now, just because of the local hit that it would have Justin Fields, obviously being a very accomplished high school player and a college player in the state of Georgia, you could create some buzz and some interest if you went that direction. 
Do you think that they would have gone that direction instead of drafting Kyle Pitts if they were indeed infatuated with a Justin Fields-type quarterback? They could have drafted him, and it's the same regime that passed up on him. And no, and I'll tell you why. And I've had a pretty good source uh, over the last several years with this. The same person who told me, uh, you know, listen, they're looking to go with Khalil Mack, and if he doesn't work out, they're going Jake Matthews. That ended up being correct. And so I've really always trusted this one source within the building. Flat out told me going into that draft, it's Kyle Pitts or it's Trey Lance. And those mm-hmm. are the people they're considering it for. It was never going to be Fields. So as Fields fell down the board and, and whether he's had, you know, success in Chicago or he's had his struggles, this is still a landing spot where people still think of him very highly in the state of Georgia. Talking with Carlos Medina of Extra 106.3 FM and the Fan 680 down in Atlanta here on 670 The Score. What is because I always say and 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 I'm not the this isn't my theory I came up with, but I call it the bubble effect where as a fan or a member of the media who follows one particular team closely that the things that are good can look a lot better than what they are and the things that are bad can look a lot worse than what they are. And you can get carried away when, when, when you're in that bubble. From the outside of that bubble, what is your take on Justin Fields as an NFL quarterback, his development, and his future? Well, let me be very honest because Justin Fields was a player that played predominantly in a rushing offense in high school really did not play quarterback into a senior year. And so when he had trouble beating out Jake Fromm in Athens at Georgia, it wasn't a surprise for a lot of us because we knew the developmental time was going to take some more time than, than let's say Trevor Lawrence who played down the street. They were the two big quarterbacks in the state of Georgia. Well, so you fast forward. And I, I think when you, when you see, you know, him from a distance, you see flashes, you see things that you say, I think you can work with that. I think it can develop. But some of the same issues that were Ohio State, the lack of anticipation, some of the things you want to see developing are not there yet. And so the question becomes, are you willing to wait or are you willing to trade a pick to see if it maybe develops under you? And remember, because of him being a third-year player, they have to make a decision on the fifth-year option after this year. And I don't think that's going to be something they're going to pick up in Chicago. Yeah, it, that's that's the big question around here. I'm, I'm in on Justin Fields but I understand that they just might be moving on. Let's move on to, to your Atlanta Falcons, who... Oh, ca- great. Ca- pain. <laughs> <laughs> but kind of like this Bears team, they, and, and they got the win last week. They've won three of their last five, kind of turning, or four of their last six, actually, and kind of turning this thing around, and they're, they're quote-unquote, in the hunt for the playoff picture. What's What's been different these last few weeks for this Falcons team? A little bit more consistency from the quarterback. Uh, Desmond Ritter ends up being replaced as of last week. And it wasn't that he was playing poorly. It's just that this, the way this team plays football, if you just look at just point differential, for instance, the Falcons are a minus one on the year. They've scored one less point than they've given up. Every game is a white knuckle ride. Everything is fourth quarter. So when you go into a game and you commit two turnovers, that ends up being the difference in why they're not a team with probably nine wins in a very poor division, why they're sitting, you know, where they're sitting a game under 500. And so that that's been the frustrating part. The defense has been good all year. The defense has been solid. It's really about, can they get consistent professional quarterback play? And as of now, they haven't had that on the road all year. You know, the guy who's maybe catching more heat around here than Justin Fields is the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, who not, not a lot of folks around here are a fan of. And I know a lot of fantasy players are probably not a fan of, of the offensive coordinator down in Atlanta and the number of touches that, say, a B. John Robinson or the number of touches that a Kyle Pitts gets. You see them use these high draft picks and assets on these guys 
and then not really feature them in the offense. Is that a source of frustration in Atlanta and, and among Falcons fans? Oh, very much so. You're talking about three offensive players, including Drake London, taken in the Forget top him. ten. Yeah. And, and, and this has been an offense that because it is an Arthur Smith offense, which traditionally is uh, a lot of their concepts, is a lot of zone run, play action pass, and that's what they want to do. But unfortunately, you know, you, you're in a situation where they – like I'll give you an example. Bijan Robinson was touching the ball on average about 15 to 17 times per game. After the break, after the bye week, they wanted to get it to closer to about 23, 24. But the problem is, is that when you start playing in some of the conditions as we get into November and December, obviously you guys know this very well in Chicago, you start running the football more. And sometimes it goes to your ground and pound guy. And that's been Tyler Algier who went for 1,000 yards last year. So when Tyler Algier gets things running – you know, a lot of the fantasy players and a lot of other people are saying, well, why doesn't Bijan get the touches? It's just a matter of who's hot, and sometimes they get the ball, sometimes they don't. What is it that you're watching for in these last two weeks? Because unlike Chicago, where, you know, some, some folks think you have the quarterback of the future, some folks don't, there the quarterback question has pretty much been answered, and that's that that dude is not in the building, that they're going to need to go and get a quarterback. So after that, what's what's the major question for this Falcons team that they're trying to get answered in the last two games so they know what to do come the offseason. That's first and foremost. And what's so bad, when you start wandering the quarterback desert, it then turns into, hey, is Russell Wilson going to be available? You know, hey, is Justin Fields going to be available? It, it becomes anything other than what you have. Outside of that, uh, if this Falcons team wants to do something that they haven't done since December of 2019, which is win three straight games, that's how, far, that's how wow. long it's been. If they do that, they have a chance to win the division. But so much of it is tied to their offensive line. Four out of the five guys have been banged up. Three, uh, three out of the five have missed time over the last couple of weeks. If they can get that sorted out, then I think they give themselves a chance over the last two weeks. If they don't, then it becomes, all right, hit the offseason, and you got to find another signal caller. It's a, it's a matchup of strengths in this game, if you will, on Sunday. Falcons have been running the ball very well in their second in rush attempts. In the league, the Bears have been very good against the run, especially in, in the last six, seven weeks, as I've talked about with the defensive turnaround. Which which strength do you think it wins out that battle on Sunday? I'll say this. If this team and this game was being played in Atlanta, I'd say, hey, I like this better. Just because what the Falcons have, they've, they've basically gotten out of their normal game plan when they've gone on the road. Uh, as of now, they're 2-5 they're and five as a football team. And it just seems like when they fall a little bit behind, that's where the problems have started. And so if you tell me that Chicago gets out to a quick lead in this ballgame, I'll say I've seen how this movie plays out. It's going to go to the fourth quarter. The Falcons will make a mistake, and the Bears are going to win. But if, if, if at some point the Falcons can actually build a little bit of a lead on somebody, that's when that run game has been effective against everyone in the league. You got a prediction for me for Sunday? Pain. Is that fine? <laughs> can I just go with pain? Uh, for no, everybody I, I, involved. I, I, for everybody. Bears fans, <laughs> Falcons fans, just pain for everybody involved. <laughs> And you're sitting back thinking like, hey, I'm spending my New Year's watching this. I'm getting ready. No, find something else to do. Otherwise, I think this is like a 22-28 ball game. Some weird score where the Bears come through with it. That's Clubber Lang, a.k.a. Carlos Medina. You can catch him as the host of the Morning Extra on 106.3 FM, as well as the Fan 680 96.3 and on Twitter at 
I can't. How, what is what is your Twitter handle? What is the significance of your Twitter handle, Carlos? At, I'll, I'll tell you very simply. Okay. It's at front office lows. I was finishing up a master's degree gotcha. years ago. I started doing salary cap work, and suddenly everyone was like, "Hey, will you come on and explain why my team can't afford so and so and so and so?" And that kind of went that direction in my. Gotcha. Career. So he's at front office lows, and my guest for the last few minutes here on the score. Really appreciate the time and the insight, Carlos. Take it easy. Have a good one. Same to you. And he joins me on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. I know we got to get to a break in a minute, and this has nothing to do with what I was just talking to Carlos about. But uh, I was sitting here scrolling Twitter while Carlos, was, I can multitask. All right? I was listening. I was, I was listening intently, writing down follow up questions, everything that a good a good radio host does. But uh, I was also scrolling Twitter and this report from Jim Bowden came across my timeline that the Yankees, Dodgers, and Rangers are among teams interested in Josh Hader. That is just the type of guy that the Cubs should be in on right now. In addition to bringing back Cody Bellinger, and I'm going to talk some Cubs with my buddy, with uh, comedian and podcast host Joe Kilgallen coming up at 740. I said on Wednesday that I'm, 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 tr- I'm trying hard to have some patience for, for this franchise, for the Chicago Cubs, and I'm a diehard Cubs fan, lifelong. But, man, how, how many guys are we just going to sit and watch, go go by the wayside and go to other teams in free agency and in these trades while they sit there on their hands. Not one player has been added from outside the 40-man roster to the Cubs roster as we sit here on July, on July, wishing, on December 29th. On December 29th, we sit here. You were close. If we get to July and there's there's been nobody added and, Car- and Cody Bellinger is still not a Cub, Watch out, like recalibrate these mics because I'm going to come in here and just scream into them and hurt people's ears. Something must be something has to happen. Something's got to break. And I hope that report from Jim Bowden is is not necessarily accurate. And the Cubs might be in on him as well. Like I said, we'll talk more uh, Cubs with Joe Kilgallen of the My Favorite Cub podcast on the Lawrence Holmes House of L podcast network. But right after this, I do have to ask myself. Have I been too hard on Luke Getze? Have we all been too hard on Luke Getze? I'm Robbie Makloff. This is 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back live with more Rami Mekloff on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. I think there's been a lot of them. I think, um, you know, his ability to, to progress is better. His footwork is better, I think. Uh, the protection part of it is outstanding. 
the completion percentage part of it is good. He's throwing the ball accurately. I think the extended play part of it has been a lot of fun to see him progress through that. Um, so there's been a lot of areas. I'm leaving other stuff out, but I think there's been a lot of really cool stuff that Justin has grown through this year. There's Luke Getze, Bears offensive coordinator, talking about the growth of his quarterback, Justin Fields. I'm Rami Makloff with you on the score. On a Friday evening, Tyler Buterbaugh on the other side of the glass on those ones and twos. Coming up, we'll talk with comedian and Cubs podcast host Joe Kilgallen. Coming up at 7.40 and at 8 o'clock, I'm going to tell you the one thing that the Chicago Bears absolutely cannot do this offseason. I said you might have to recalibrate the mics. You might have to do it if, if they go down this path that I'm going to lay out coming up at 8 o'clock. I will lose my mind. You're going to have to recalibrate the mics and check my vitals. I'll get an engineer on duty. Okay, appreciate it. I do appreciate it. I'm going to talk about Luke Getze, and and maybe, just maybe, we, myself included, have been a little bit too hard on the guy. We'll, 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 we'll sort of contemplate that coming up in just a few minutes. But first, let me get in uh, Cortez in Roselle. He's been waiting patiently with his thoughts on Justin Fields. What's up, Cortez? Hey, brother. I appreciate you taking my call. How Pleasure. you guys doing? Good. How are you? I'm great. Good. All right. So let's get straight to it. I want Justin Fields to stay. I believe, like you guys said, in building the team. I do not trust the organization with this draft pick. The best thing they can do is trade it and get more picks and get more assets. To me, Justin Fields is Caleb Williams 2.0. They got same similarities. Justin, Justin is bigger, faster, and he's actually played in the NFL. We have no idea what Caleb Williams is as of yet. Okay. Who's the other guy that just started for uh, USC in the bowl game that just put up, what, six touchdowns? Is he a system guy? We don't know. But I do know what I don't want from Caleb Williams or a player like him. I understand putting your heart and soul into a game and you lose. You can't be a Chicago Bear crying in your mom's lap uh, after the game. You can't do that. I appreciate, yeah. appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. Yeah, a lot of people. Well, I, I'm one to say I'm, I, I feel like I'm a I'm a new age man. You know, I'm an evolved man. Real men cry. You know what I mean? Real men cry. There ain't nothing wrong with showing a little emotion. And for whatever reason that is, you cry for a number. You can be really happy, really sad, really angry. Real men shed a tear every once in a while. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But you are going to rub some people wrong in the machismo, testosterone-filled world that football is when you lose a big game and you literally go cry in your mom's lap. That's a thing he really did. I don't think Chicago fans would take that well. No, no. The city of broad shoulders would not handle that very well. And then wasn't there another another big loss where he went to the podium afterwards and he said, I just want to go home and cuddle my dog? Man, I get it. I love going home and cuddling my dog. But it's the same thing. I said about Matt Eberflus before, I'm not trying to be an NFL head coach so I can go to a microphone and go, oh, man, you know what? I just can't wait. I've had a rough day. Can't wait to get home tonight and just cuddle my boy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I can say that. We can say that exactly. Here. I'm not going to catch any flack or any heat for that. And I'm not saying Caleb Williams should. I just I'm just saying that he's going to. <laughs> that's that's going to happen when when you do things like that after a loss. And as far as the football goes, look, I I will be as as upfront and transparent with people as I possibly can. I told Tyler this a few days ago. He said, hey, you want me to get a college football guest? Talk about some of these bowl games. I was like, eh, I don't really do college football. It's not really my thing. It's just never 
really been my thing. So I can't sit here and act like I know Caleb Williams and I've watched every snap of his, but I listen to people who are smarter than me and who have done the research and who have watched the games. And I just saw a clip on uh, at 670 The Score on Twitter of Lawrence Holmes saying that if you watch Caleb Williams, and there are certain games he pointed out, go find the clip at 670 The Score. Lawrence will tell you which games to go and check out and scout, where this this flaw was apparent that he has he has the same problem that Justin Fields has, which is passing from the pocket and and quick decision-making, quick evaluating, and just getting the ball to his guy, getting it out of his hands and getting the ball to his guy. Why are we going to bring in a quarterback with a very similar makeup who's also smaller and less athletic than Justin Fields and put him in the same exact situation? That's not progress, and, and it's not going to work. Unless you make major changes around him, it's simply not going to work. Real quick, Don in Chicago, you're on the score. What's up, Don? Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Don. Nice listening to you. You know, I've been listening to you for a long time. Thank you, man. When you came on uh, C70 last week, I was so happy to, you know, so I'll be calling on you every time you're on the air. I appreciate that. What what you got on the Bears? uh, I support you about Justin. I want him to keep Justin because I don't want us to regret. I've been a Chicago Bears fan for a long time. For a long time. And I don't want us to miss this opportunity. Let's keep Justin Fields. Let's find some good offensive coordinator to, to work with him. He's going to be all right. And Chicago will be okay. That's what we need. Fire the OC, he's going to be all right. Don, I appreciate the call. And you lead me right into the discussion I wanted to have here, which is about Luke Getze. And I, I, I came on here on Wednesday, and I, I shot many an arrow Luke Getze's way over the course of the three hours. And I think mo- I, said, I said on Wednesday night, when you talk about the major pieces, the major players in the Bears organization, when we talk about Ryan Poles, he seems to have won a lot of people over. When we talk about Justin Fields, it's about 50-50. People want to keep him. People don't want to keep him. Matt Eberflus, I would say it's like 60-40. People want him out. People don't want him. People don't want him out. When it gets to Lou Getze, I feel like that's where we all come together. That's where we join hands and sing kumbaya. Let's get a new offensive coordinator. And I, I, I'm one to, 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 to reflect on my opinions and my takes here on the show, especially when a Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic writes some things that sort of make you think and go, huh. Maybe maybe this isn't as much Luke Getze as we all and as I have thought to this point. And it was uh, the ar- the article is evaluating Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze and why it's complicated. And he he points out the flaws and the things he's done wrong, and he talks about some of the things he's done well and some of the things he's had working against him, because we can't. And this was a point Hub Arkish made with me on Wednesday when he joined me. And I, I generally agree with him until I lose my temper. And, and, and Hub is a much more patient man than me. So he, he sort of brought me back down to earth when I was losing my temper about the Bears on Wednesday. And he said, when we talk about failure or we talk about success, you can't ever just put it on one guy. You can't just point at one guy and say he's the reason that they're failing. And if we're going to look at Justin Fields and say, look, man, this guy has not been put in the best position to succeed. 
and maybe that's why he hasn't succeeded. You have to give Luke Getze that same benefit of the doubt or at least ask that question about Luke Getze of, hey, has he been given all the tools, all the resources that he needs to be an offensive coordinator? And honestly, you can't say that he has. For the same reasons that we're saying Justin Fields hasn't, you can say that Luke Getze hasn't. When you talk about the offensive weapons, when you talk about a shaky offensive line till that settled in as this year sort of played out, and and even when you look at Justin Fields himself, you're talking about a rookie quarterback who is, who is going to need some molding and some coaching up and some fixing, and that is a hindrance or a handicap to an offensive coordinator. That That's that's fair. You know, that's, that's something I think you do have to take into account when talking about Luke Getze. He gives him credit for the fact that he has evolved and changed as a play caller. The, the, the drawback is some of those adjustments and some of that evolution doesn't work, and, it, and it's the wrong call. If, if you're going to make a change, and obviously we think changes need to be made, then you got to make the right change. Just Change for the sake of change ain't enough. And when it comes to Luke Getze, and, and, and this, is, this, this was one of the major points that's made in this article, and the fact that he's, he's a first-time, full-time offensive coordinator and play caller for the Chicago Bears, and Justin Fields is a rookie, that's the main point that makes me say, well, that and what I just said before, that he hasn't been given a lot to work with, where I say, you know what? Maybe maybe Lou Getze has gotten too much heat for this. And that doesn't even mean he deserves to be the offensive coordinator. What I mean when I say that is, why was he selected to be the offensive coordinator? You, you knew what you had in Justin Fields, and you knew what he needed as a quarterback, that there was development that needed to happen here. Why would you go to an unknown? And this goes back to what I talked about with the teams that made coaching changes the same year that the Bears hired Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze was brought in with him. Miami brought in Mike McDaniel, who was regarded around the league as an offensive genius. The Jacksonville Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence brought in Doug Peterson, a guy that before Carson Wentz went off the rails, he looked to have him on the way to being a good NFL quarterback, won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, and has shown that he's a pretty damn offensive coach and play caller in this league. He was proven. Why, when a year previous, you gave up the bounty that you gave up to move up in the draft, and get Justin Fields, would you then hire somebody with question marks who's not the best fit? So, yes, Luke Getze has probably taken too much heat because, A, he hasn't been given a lot to work with. B, we do have to give him the the benefit of the doubt that he's a first-time offensive coordinator, and he has to grow into the role as much as, as Justin Fields does. But my main point is, that just means he shouldn't have been the offensive coordinator in the first place. I wonder if they just looked at it because he was the quarterback coach when Aaron Rodgers was in Green Bay, mm-hmm. and they were thinking, 
how maybe he had a lot of the impact of Aaron Rodgers being so good, and then people look at it now with Jordan Love playing some decent football that maybe he was part of it. So I could almost see because I'm not gonna lie, when I heard about the Luke Getzey, I was I was having optimism. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe because of where he's came from and the quarterbacks that he worked with, maybe he can be legit uh, for Justin Fields. But then now I'm just kind of looking. Maybe it was just because Aaron Rodgers is too damn good. Aaron Rodgers is just really, I mean, he yeah. is really, but I always say, like, no quarterback is franchise proof. No, cor- if, if, right. if Aaron Rodgers was with the Bears, he wouldn't be Aaron Rodgers. If the Bears took Patrick Mahomes instead of Mitch Trubisky in that draft, he wouldn't be Patrick Mahomes. If he, ca- if he came into the John Fox Chicago Bears and then, and then f- was followed up with Matt, we're seeing what Matt Nagy can do with Patrick Mahomes right now. We're seeing it. And even he doesn't look great. The Nagy effect. Exactly, with a bad offensive coordinator. So there's too much heat on Luke Getze in the sense that he he's in over his head. He he was put in a situation that he wasn't the right fit for. That he, quite frankly, is not good enough for yet. Guy coaches just like players, they get better with experience. And maybe there is there is a situation. Like I say with Justin Fields, in the right situation, he would flourish. He would blossom and he would succeed. I think he has top five quarterback talent. If Justin Fields was in Green Bay or if Justin Fields was with Mike McDaniel in, in Miami, he's, he's top five quarterback talent in my eyes. He'd strive so much. Maybe if Luke Getze was in the right situation, if he, if he, if he took an offensive coordinator position with a veteran quarterback – who could sort of take some of the load, some 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 of the some of the work off his plate of being an offensive coordinator, or who could pitch in more in terms of the game plan and the play calling and everything else? Maybe in the right situation, Luke Getze becomes a great offensive coordinator. But here in Chicago, with a rookie quarterback that needed to be coached up and developed, and who for three years, well, let's say two and a half years, all right, I'll. I'll I'll give the second half of this year with the offensive line coming together, the acquisition of DJ Moore, Cole Komet, taking another step in his development for two and a half years, didn't have a lot to work with. That wasn't the right situation for Luke Getze. And it's still not the right situation for Luke Getze because you still have a quarterback who needs that help, who needs that guy, that genius, that Sean McVay, that Mike McDaniel, that type of guy. I want to see just one time, man, please, just one time before you give up on him, an offensive coordinator and a coaching staff that I believe in, where I go, yeah, they're doing the right stuff, and he just can't he just can't execute it. You know what? I don't get that feeling from Luke Getze, and a lot of that is not his fault because he should have never been hired for this position in the first place and hasn't been given a ton to work with. So, yeah, we've been a little hard for him on him. But he should still not be the offensive coordinator next year. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that eases the I'm blow. I'm still agreeing on that. I, I don't know if it, that eases the blow if Luke Getzey is listening right now. What are you doing listening? It's the holidays. <laughs> why, why, why are you listening to me if you're Luke Getzey right now? Get away from football for a little. Not, not the rest of you. You should be listening to me on 670 The Score. But Luke Getzey, 
Just go away from football for a little bit. Go take- create an <laughs> offensive game plan. Exactly. By the way, before Chicago takes on Atlanta this Sunday, tune in from 9 a.m. to noon for the PNC Bank pregame show right here on 670. The score presented by your local Ford dealers and Fox Valley Coins. Join Zach Zaidman and it's not Olin Kruitz, is it? I have this wrong, don't I? My copy still says, because oh, I'm reading it from the wrong document. Let me go down a little bit. Ba, 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 ba. Join Zach Zaidman and Jim Schwantz as they'll get you set for the game. PNC Bank, official bank of the Chicago Bears. Then immediately follow the game. We'll have instant reaction from Zach and Jim on the Great Clips postgame show presented by Tullamore. Do all of it can be heard right here on 670 to score and the Odyssey app. Right after this, get into a little bit of Cubs talk with my friend, comedian, actor, host of the My Favorite Cub podcast, Joe Kilgallen. He'll join me next on 670 to score. We're back. Live with more Rami McLaugh on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. That's me. That's where I am. Tyler Buterbaugh on the other side of the glass on the ones and twos. Eight o'clock. The one path the Bears absolutely cannot take this offseason. The one they cannot take for my health, for my own well-being and my health. The one thing they can't do this offseason. It's the offseason right now for the Chicago Cubs. And joining me to talk about that, among other things, comedian, actor, host of My Favorite Cub on the Lawrence Holmes House of L podcast network, also a regular at the Laugh Factory, which I understand he's there tonight, and the co-host of the Let's Get Dumb podcast and has the new special Good Grief at punchup.live. Pleasure to welcome in Joe Kilgallen. Joe, how are you this evening, man? You're busy. I'm great, Rami. I actually didn't think I was that busy until you said all that stuff, and I was like, wow, I actually kind of do a lot of things, don't I? And you got kids. <laughs> how do you how do you got kids while you're doing all that? You watch them? You watch those kids? I haven't seen them in years. I don't know what they're up to. Um, I should write to them, I think. That might be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, they might be wondering where you were since you said you were going to get that pack of cigarettes. Joe, I got you here because you're you're one of the biggest Cubs fans I know. We were actually sitting in a bar a few weeks ago after a comedy show of yours, Talking Cubs. I was like, we should do this on the radio is where we should do this, and I'll be on the radio in just a few weeks. So here you are. And at that point, it was still early in the off season optimism was still abound. Shohei Otani was still a possibility. Juan Soto was still a pot. Guys were out there, man. And guys keep going off the board. And Joe, I'm trying to keep my patience, but they keep testing me. Like I just saw a report that three teams not named the Chicago Cubs are the front runners to go and get Josh Hader, one of the best closers in this league. And I just go, I'm going to bite my lip and try to show a little bit of patience with this baseball team. Where are you at with them right now? I'm trying to show patience as well. I feel like we're at that annual time of year, that weird time between Christmas and New Year's, where we're all wearing new underwear and socks and waiting for Jed Hoyer to make a move, you know, um, to become a tradition. I'm going to try to be optimistic only because there still is a lot on the board. Obviously, seeing Otani go to L.A., seeing, you know, everyone go to L.A., my mom and your mom sign with L.A., everyone's in L.A., <laughs> and Soto going to the Yankees. You know, these are things that hurt because we feel as Cubs fans, with uh, the market that we're in, the ticket prices we pay, the amazing fan support we have nation worldwide, that we should be in every conversation for every generational talent, whether it's a Soto or an Otani. Now, where I'm trying to be optimistic still is there is a lot left on the board. I'm trying to look at the big board and be like, all right. But in the same regard, I don't understand why we can't sign Reese Hopkins right now while we're still waiting for Bellinger's price to come down or while we're waiting for Josh Hader to maybe go for four years instead of the five years that's reported. What's the holdup there? It doesn't make sense to just wait and wait and wait because eventually you're not going to get that sale. you got to buy the car and drive it off the lot eventually. And the one thing that is, is going to make me 
lose my lose that patience that we talked about we're trying to keep is if there isn't a major splash move made and Cody Bellinger is playing elsewhere next season. I I can't accept an offseason, Joe, where it looks on paper, and I know they hired Craig Council, and I want to get into that move with you in just a second. I can't I can't get down with an offseason where it looks like they took a step back. Oh, I can't either. And I don't think Cubs fans will uh, take to that too kindly. You know, we had some good vibes over the summer at Wrigley Field. Things were starting to look up. Obviously, we didn't have the September we wanted. But then, uh, you know, they make the council move, if we could jump to that right away. And it made us think, all right, you don't make a move like that. You don't pay a manager $8 million a year if you're not going to go big on the free agent market, on the trade market. But it would be something that if they were like, well, no, we have him now. We have Craig Council. He's worth 10 wins or whatever. You know, you really can't figure out how valuable a manager is. He's obviously been a very good one over the course of his tenure in Milwaukee. But it would be bizarre, and I don't think – I think there's going to be – you know. It didn't look good when we found out that the Ricketts family isn't going to do their Q&A at the Cubs convention. That didn't make anyone feel feel good about this offseason. It does make you wonder. It does, it does make you wonder. Like, do they know? Do they know something we don't, that there aren't going to be any moves to speak of come Cubs convention time? Well, I'm hoping that all of this will be forgotten and we can laugh about this after they sign Bellinger and Hopkins or maybe trade for Pete Alonso, do something that's going to get everyone excited. And then we find out that the Ricketts were like, hey, look, we have a timeshare. We screwed up. And we had to go that weekend, and that's why we weren't at Cubs convention. You know, they had to save the money for Bellinger. You know, so Joe, real quick, talking with Joe Kilgallen, comedian, actor. Catch him there if there are tickets still available. He's at the Laugh Factory tonight, and check out his new special, Good Grief, at Punch Up Live. I know you you know uh, David Ross. You you've done some things, comedy shows, and things of the sort for the Chicago Cubs. So that had to be because. We Look, Craig Council is a very good manager, but at the same time, and I think a lot of Cubs fans felt this way, but with a personal connection, kind of a double-edged sword when it came to that hire of Craig Council. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, uh, you know, Rossi has been a, such a great human being, great. I mean, he wrote the book, Teammates. He was so instrumental in the Cubs' success in 2015 and 2016. And I think what uh, bummed me out the most about it, and this doesn't take away anything from Craig Council, and we all know that uh, – this is the world of professional sports. You know, you got to take, uh, you know, your personal feelings and put them aside sometimes, but it's still a bummer because of what a great human being he's been and will remain to be, obviously. I'm sure David Ross will get another manager job. I know for a fact, any team that hires him is going to be happy. They did. He, uh, I just felt like he never really got a fair shake. I mean, if you look at his managerial career, 2020 was the pandemic year. People weren't allowed to leave their hotel. It was a very strange season and yeah. a strange time in the world let alone Major League Baseball. And then 2021, nobody got extended in the spring training leading up to that. That's really when the whole rebuild began. They trade you Darvish before the season, let Schwarber walk, and then the whole core gets traded at the deadline. And then you got a rebuilding year. And then this year started, you know, things started to look well. And I feel like he's a great clubhouse manager. The fact that they were 10 games down and came all the way to 10 games back, won 83 games when they're only projected to win 76, 77 by every respectable source. I think there's a lot to like about Ross. I'm going to miss him on the north side, and I wish him nothing but the best wherever he ends up. As I've said a couple of times, you, you're the host of the, uh, the My Favorite Cub podcast on, on Lawrence Holmes' empire, the House of L podcast network. Double, double uh, two-part two question for you, Joe, since you're the host of My Favorite Cub. Your favorite Cub currently on the roster and your favorite Cub of all time? Ooh, favorite Cub of all time. I still 
You know, I'm, I was leaning Rizzo for a while, but I'll answer all-time Andre Dawson because he was my first favorite Cub. Same. Andre Dawson was the guy where it's like, I want that batting stance. I want to, like, throw like that, look like that. He just stepped into the batter's box, and you saw, like, magic could happen. Uh, so Andre Dawson's number one all-time for me, and Rizzo's probably number two. Kerry Wood's up there, of course. But my favorite current Cub, that's tough. There's a lot of likable guys on this team, but I'm going to have to go with Christopher Morrell. Uh, he's a guy that really just, you could tell, loves the game of baseball and enjoys it, doesn't take any moment he's on the field for granted, and, um, and he gives a lot of love to the fans. We have very similar taste in Cubs. Andre Dawson is my all-time favorite Cub, and I think Christopher Morrell is my favorite Cub on this roster to watch. He just plays with that joy. I feel like he's, in a weird way, almost the opposite of Andre, because Andre Dawson was just intense. Like, he walked, he stepped into the batter's box, and he looked like he was going to murder someone. Morrell, he, he looks like he's just having the best time in the world playing baseball. And that, that's what I, they're opposite ends of the spectrum, but I love, I love both of those personas in, in, in my baseball players. I do too. I've always been like that. You know, like I love the Carlos Zambrano. I like the guy where you're like, yeah. he might throw the cooler at the umpire right now. That's <laughs> kind of fun. It's exciting. You know what I just realized? My favorite cub, you know, it's it's become cliche now. You see it on Twitter all the time. Like dudes can sit around and just name random athletes from the eighties and nineties for hours. That's that's basically that's the idea of the podcast. You just focus it on Cubs players specifically. You just sit around and talk about old players who you love back in the day and who some people might not even remember. It's, it really is a lot of fun like that. I, I had Wayne Mesmer on, and he was telling me about all the 60s guys that he liked and didn't like even, which I remember going, ooh, cool, Wayne. I didn't think I'd uh, get any of that out of you, but he was a great guest. I had uh, professional wrestler Colt Cabana, and he really captured like kind of our era of Cubs fan, where it was like you came home, WGN was on, you heard Harry Carey's voice, Samberg was up to bat, like that era. So it's kind of cool. You're, you're able to go through different eras with different fans and see what, who excites people and all that. you know. So like my younger brother, he was big on like Ryan Terrio and Derek Lee. Like that was like his era. So it's a really fun podcast. And like you were saying, like we could sit at bars and why go to therapy when you could just name former Cub players all night long? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just guys being dudes, just sitting around naming old athletes that we love. Real quick, before I let you go, Joe, because I, you, it's not just Cubs and it's not just comedy that you do. You are, unfortunately, also a Bears fan. We talked about that a little bit a few weeks ago. And I learned that your your wife is from Wisconsin, right? And you do a lot of stand-up up in Wisconsin. And I live up in Wisconsin. And I think that the Bears struggles way more heavily on guys like you and me who have to either cross that border often or just live on the other side of that border and listen to it and take it from Packers fans year after year after year. after. I don't know how much more I can do it, Joe. It's very hard. I do have to correct you. My wife's from Chicago. Her okay. family's, Her from, family's Wisconsin. from Wisconsin. If she's listening, she'll be very upset Sorry. at me. My, my apologies, Mrs. Kilgallen. My apologies. Her family is there from Wisconsin. Go. I didn't mean to besmirch <laughs> you like that. that. No, and you're right. It, does, it makes it more difficult. You know, whenever I talk to other fans and they talk about their quarterback situation, I was like, our biggest rival have had essentially well, three quarterbacks now in my lifetime. They went from Favre to Rogers to, you know, and Love, I don't think is anything special. Obviously, he looks like a bum, but uh, it is. It's, it's frustrating when you should be um, the big dog of your division and you have to deal with just, and it's one of those things too, where how many seasons as Bears fans do we say, hey, we won, but did we want to win? Do we really want to win this game? I don't think this helps us winning this game. We should be trying to lose these games yeah. because if we win too much, they're going to bring back this horrible coaching staff again, and we're going to deal with this all over again. Like it's just, it's a lot of banging your head off the wall as a Bears fan.
Yeah, it's tough, man. That's Joe Kilgallen. He'll blow off some of that steam at the Laugh Factory tonight. If you're in the area and there are tickets available, go check him out. Otherwise, check him out at punchup.live, his new special, Good Grief, as well as the host of the My Favorite Cub podcast on the Lawrence Holmes House of L podcast network and the co-host of the Let's Get Dumb podcast. He's a very, very busy man. He is Joe Kilgallen and my guest for the last few minutes here on The Score. Joe, appreciate it, man. Go kill him tonight. Thank you, my man. Appreciate it. And he joins me on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Yeah, for those who don't know, man, I live in Milwaukee and a lot for a long time. I worked at our sister station out there, the fan. And it's tough, man. It's it's tough. It's hard on my mental well-being being a Bears fan out there. It's hard. It's hard, man. I catch a lot of flack. And it'd be a lot easier if I could go, yeah, but we kicked your ass last week, didn't we? But I can't. I can never say that. But yeah, oh yeah, but we won the division. Yeah, but we're a good football team. You might hate me, but we're still but but we're good. But no, I can't say that. Did I just you at least have, have to that take fun it. in twenty eighteen. I did, yeah, that was fun. That had to been good. You know it was what I know we gotta get to a break, but when the Bears traded for Jay Cutler and I was working at the station in Milwaukee at the time, and uh and that was right when the Packers were moving on from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. One of my coworkers, one of my co-hosts, during the commercial break, he sat back and he looked at me. And he's a Packers fan, but he was happy for me as his friend and as a Bears fan that we finally got a quarterback. And he sat back in his chair and he kind of smirked. And he goes, so how does it feel to have the best quarterback in the division? And that was cool for six months. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? That was, lasted. that was really cool for six months until we found out that Aaron Rodgers was what he was. And, and not, I'm telling you right now, if Jordan Love is a Hall of Fame quarterback, I, I quit football. All right. I just I just quit football as a Bears fan who lives in Wisconsin. I just quit. I can't I can't do it anymore and I can't pick a different team. So I just quit football, man. That I can't take a third Hall of Fame quarterback wearing those colors. It would be over for me, too. I think right. That's just brutal. Just shut I thought down. they would miss on one. We still don't know for sure yet. Shut down the franchise. If, if 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 Jordan Love is a Hall of Fame quarterback, just shut down the Bears and let's start from scratch with a new Chicago football team and hope that they can do better. Hope that maybe they can find a quarterback better than what they have in Green Bay. I can't do this anymore, man. Speaking of my mental health, going to go down a road right after this in terms of the Bears and the path that they take this offseason that would really, really be detrimental to my mental health. The one thing the Bears can't do this offseason. That's next on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 